Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. As per usual, we'll be kicking things off with our catch-up segment. Now, I will be fully honest in saying that I have not really been reading anything lately. I don't really have a book on the go right now. I got about 20% through Boy Parts, and then for whatever reason, I just stopped, which happens to me from time to time. I just go through phases, and so I haven't really been reading anything. I did mention in last week's episode that I have a book on my TBR related to childbirth. I want to start to dive into that a little bit more, but I haven't started that yet. So we're not reading anything right now, but I am watching a lot. I will be honest. I'm always watching something. We started season four of sex education a few months ago and I actually never brought this up I kind of forgot about it because we watched the first few episodes and we weren't loving it as much as I've loved former seasons I feel like because it was like a new environment and everything was different there were so many new characters and I feel like I was feeling very nostalgic for former seasons and so we kind of stopped watching that I was watching it with Jamie and my sister and then one night we were sitting around and I was like guys we have to watch this like this was one of my favorite series and Jamie really enjoyed it my sister really enjoyed it so we're like okay let's give it another shot because we were all sort of feeling that way of not being too sure about season four and towards I would say like episode three four I believe was when I really started to get back into it so my sister is away right now and then Jamie and I are going to England so we'll probably wait we have just the final episode to watch together but we'll probably wait to do that until we're all back together but what I will say is I did not realize that this was the final season and knowing that makes me not want to watch the final episode because I'm so attached to this show and I do really, really like it. It's been one of my favorites in the last few years, so I don't want to let go. But yeah, we've been diving back into that a little bit. I have also been watching The Golden Bachelor, which by the time this episode comes out, because I'm pre-recording it, it will probably be concluded and the season will be done. I started watching this with my family and it's been really fun. I think I mentioned on the podcast before that we got my dad to get into it and 
that's been really fun to like host people. I really wanted to have something, have a show just to have people over to watch every week. I've never really done that because I've never really had the space for it, but I really, really wanted to be able to do that. And so we've been doing that with The Golden Bachelor and it's just been fun. I really enjoy it. And I mentioned this on my YouTube that the next thing that we decided we're going to do is we're going to get into a sport. Now we'll see how long that lasts because what I'm realizing is we decided that we wanted to watch basketball. Like that was the sport that we were going to follow for the season, but I didn't realize there were so many games and I don't know how willing I'll be to commit to it fully, but that's another thing that we recently started doing was having people over to watch the Raptors play because that's, I believe, the only Canadian basketball team. So that was really fun. And then the other thing that I've been watching, and I mentioned this last week, also I just realized that my neighbor's dogs are barking a lot. So if you hear that, I apologize. But I have been watching this these videos, I should say, every single morning from the hypnobirthing course that I signed up for. They're just like pre-recorded videos and it's all about childbirth. And so far, it's been really, really good. It's helping me to just feel a little bit more prepared going into it. And I don't want to overwhelm myself with information, as I've said before, excuse me, but I want to feel prepared. And I want to feel like I can advocate for myself and I can make good decisions or at least I can have my partner do that for me and for us to be on the same page about things. So I will keep you posted on how that's going. I've also been sharing updates on YouTube on that one, but so far I'm finding it to be really helpful, but also that good balance of like not too much information. And I'm only really watching one module per day, which is about like a five to 10 minute video. So it's super manageable. And yeah, I've been really, really enjoying that. As for what I'm listening to, honestly, I'm in a phase where similar to not reading a lot, I'm not really listening to a ton of podcasts. I just go through like weeks where I'm like obsessed with a podcast. I was obsessed with the Broski Report for a while. And then I'll kind of not be into podcasts for a bit. Like that won't really feel like my medium for a while. And then I'll come back to them. But right now, honestly, the main thing that I've been listening to is Christmas jazz playlists. I don't know why, but that is so comforting to me. And then a lot of ASMR. I listen to ASMR pretty much every single night before bed. And I feel like that's my mind's way of telling me that I need to like regulate my nervous system before bed rather than reading a really dark and like scary novel or watching a scary movie before bed. So there's the update for this week kind of short and sweet. And before we get into the episode, because this does feel like a big topic that we have yet to really discuss in any great length here on this podcast, I always like to share a few disclaimers. And the first is that I'm very aware of the fact that my observations of the world are completely shaped by my own life experience. And that's going to be very different from 
yours as a listener or from any other person listening to this podcast or not. And I appreciate that. And I also appreciate the fact that I am not an expert on this topic. There are many, many experts on this topic, and I don't claim to be an authority. But at the same time, I do think that there's value in having this discussion and sharing my experience with it. And especially in this podcast community, because 98% of this audience is women. And that's true for all of my social media channels. It's like between 98 to 100% women. And by the way, I know that what we'll be talking about in this episode doesn't just impact women. So of course, if you are a listener here and don't identify as a woman, you're obviously very welcome into this conversation. And we'll be talking a little bit about patriarchy. And of course, I want to acknowledge that that impacts everyone, not just women. And this conversation isn't intended to point the finger or shame. Hopefully, it's at the very least reflective, but at best solution-oriented, more so in part two. But, you know, I believe that we all need to be part of this solution. And my reflections will be coming from a place of experiencing these dynamics unfold as a woman, but there are so many different angles through which we can approach this conversation. And the last disclaimer that I will be making, which I make in a lot of my episodes, is that I don't intend to persuade you on anything or to agree with me. It's simply a space, this podcast in general, to have conversations and explore and reflect in a way that hopefully feels non-judgmental and open-minded. And when I say conversation, obviously these are solo episodes, but they lead to a lot of interesting conversation, both in the submissions that I receive, as well as a lot of the DMs that come through about the episodes. And what I found and what I really appreciate about this podcast community is that I am always, almost always, I should say, approached with a lot of open-mindedness and that's the space that I want to cultivate in this podcast. So with that said, what are we here to talk about today? The topic of today's discussion, I know it's not a groundbreaking observation, but it's one that has been on my mind for some time and as I said, I haven't really discussed it in great length on the podcast. And it's a topic that is important to me because it's something that I've experienced from both sides. So having experienced my fair share of jealousy, envy, judgment, competition with other women, but on a more insidious level that I don't like admitting, feeling in some circumstances and on some level satisfied at the failure of other women. And then 
I've also been on the receiving end of some of these same behaviors. So I have felt deeply the impact of some of the dynamics we'll be discussing in this episode. And I would assume that you have too, if you're listening to this. And my feeling is that whether you're on the receiving end or you are the one feeling that jealousy or envy or whatever it may be, neither one feels good. And I'm sure many of us have witnessed these themes playing out publicly in what I believe to be a very harsh and in some cases dehumanizing way. But with that said, the flip side of it is that I've seen and experienced the power of connection, friendship, unity, and love between women. And that's had a huge impact on my life, on pretty much everything in my life. My confidence, my feeling of community, my overall well-being. So the topic of reflection for this episode is what's hindering us from accessing that connection with each other. And at the very least, I'll be looking within myself and asking myself where some of my own thought patterns and biases towards women come from. And noticing when these tones of jealousy, envy, or even judgment come through, asking whether they're really mine. Is this really the type of relationship I want to have with other women, even on an internal level? Do I want to feel threatened, for example, by the success of another woman? And by the way, the outcome of this reflection or this conversation isn't to expect to never have a single judgmental thought towards another woman or feel envy or feel a sense of competition ever again. It's not about perfection. And especially as we'll discuss, in a society that seems to perpetuate this dynamic amongst women. But I think it's about looking at those internal experiences and asking how they manifest outwardly and how that's impacting other people. So whether that's in our decisions, in our behaviors, relationships, even comments on social media, and ultimately, you know, asking what this type of dynamic is distracting us from? What does spending our energy competing with one another and attacking, in some cases, one another distract us from? And what outcomes are available if we were able to shift into being more unified or, at the very least, being able to interrupt the internalized misogyny so many of us carry with us. In my opinion, it's a lot easier to look to other people and their misogyny and be able to observe that and, you know, criticize it. I think it's a lot harder to look at how that may have manifested on an internal level. And of course, there needs to be systemic change 
And we're not here to blame ourselves for the way that this is manifesting, but hopefully recognizing that at the very least, we can observe the manifestations of what's going on on a systemic societal level on an internal level and hopefully doing what we can to not perpetuate that in our own community. So what's interesting and how I knew this conversation was worthwhile was when I posted this question on Instagram and I do this often just to you know gauge whether something's worth discussing and sometimes honestly people don't respond this question that I asked of why do we seem to enjoy seeing women fail was probably by far the most submissions I've ever received. So we see this playing out, right? Or maybe we feel those things within ourselves. It's really hard to come to terms with. And a lot of the submissions that came through said something along the lines of like, I don't actually feel this, but I have to consciously, you know, unlearn this narrative for example and so I think this conversation is important it's not me getting on a soapbox or coming from a place of moral superiority I'm including myself in the conversation I'm challenging myself to deconstruct my own internalized misogyny that admittedly lingers despite having worked through this for years unfortunately my stance is that this requires intention and effort. It doesn't seem to be something that happens naturally. For me, it requires a conscious interruption of sometimes where my thoughts want to go when I feel that twinge of jealousy or envy or I see another woman being knocked down in some way and So because it requires effort, I think it also requires conversation, like the one that we're going to have today. And in terms of what actually triggered wanting to have this conversation, well, I've been noticing this dynamic for a long time, but recently I've been seeing examples of this on social media that shine a light on just how pervasive this continues to be how quick people are to criticize or judge or tear down or celebrate the fall or failure of a woman and the apparent satisfaction gained through a woman losing her livelihood or getting canceled or experiencing public humiliation the urgency and pack mentality with which this seems to happen is honestly scary sometimes. And by the way, I am by no means suggesting through this conversation that we shouldn't hold women or anyone for that matter accountable for their actions. But in many cases, in my opinion, the reactions go far beyond that. And it just, it's interesting to see how normal this has become. And that's only one part of the conversation is how this unfolds on social media, but it's what triggered me wanting to have this conversation. So I do want to explore a few different dynamics, and for this episode, we'll be exploring two because they 
came up a lot in the submissions and also they're things that I've witnessed and experienced, which is competition amongst women, specifically in friendship, and how we treat successful women. Throughout this episode, I'm going to be weaving in your submissions and especially the submissions that you know, you made that have theories about where these dynamics stem from. And then in part two, I want to talk about some of the potential interruptions we can make to these dynamics when we feel or observe them happening. So both internally and externally. And the reason I want to do this in two parts is I don't feel like fitting it all into one episode is going to happen. I want to do this conversation justice. So that's how we're going to do it. Okay, so let's start by discussing a couple of ways, which by the way are probably only a fraction, in which these dynamics of jealousy and envy and judgment and competition manifest. And I'll start this off by saying, you know, I already kind of spoke to this, but I have so many of my connections and specifically friendships with women to thank for my well-being and joy in life. And, you know, I kind of said that having that feeling of community and unity amongst women is something that is so important to my well-being and has been throughout my entire life. But at the same time, you know, two things can be true at once. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And while connection and friendship with women can be so healing and so joyful, the severing of connection can be so painful. And I think I've just seen specifically competition amongst women become more and more discussed. And as I've seen this become a more popular topic of conversation, even within friendships, I have been able to look back and appreciate that this is something I've experienced, observed in many friendship dynamics over the years. You know, when I think back to even grade school, what I feel I've been competing for has changed, but that thread of competition is woven throughout pretty much every phase of life. So going back to grade school, for me, it was a competition for social status, popularity, friendship. In high school, it was a competition for male attention. And in university and sort of into adulthood, it's been a competition for career success and financial status all of which are a reflection of what resource was most important to me in each phase of life. So whether or not you've felt that competition, maybe you haven't. But if you have, maybe the actual subject or what you felt you were competing for is different from mine. Because again, that's specific to my experience. And not only was the competition for what I felt was most important to me. It's what I felt I was perhaps lacking in each phase of life. So this competition for social status, for having the most amount of friends and being the most popular was because on some level during that period of my life, I felt like that was a limited or finite resource. And there was only so much room for a few people. And then again, in high school, male attention. That was something that felt inaccessible to me or finite. And so I had to compete for it. I had to go out of my way to gain it. And then again, same thing with career success and financial status. It's this feeling of constantly needing to compete with other people and specifically women to gain access to something that is reserved for only a few. And how this competition manifests can be really, really subtle or more obvious, whether it's small comments or digs, exclusion, criticism, or judgment. And in some cases, it's a little bit more extreme, more of a direct expression of that competition or interfering with someone else's life, you know, throwing someone under the bus, sabotaging someone, 
as a means of gaining access to that resource because on some level there's this belief that if she has it I don't we associate someone else having something with our lack of it and we will get into that a little bit more when we discuss lack mentality and you know I share some of your comments as to why this dynamic seems to exist but My feeling when I look back at all these phases of life and I consider this dynamic of competition and friendship and amongst women at large is, from a logical standpoint, we want those closest to us, our friends, to be supportive and uplifting. And we want to be able to also extend that towards our friends. So to access that same capacity to be supportive and uplifting to others. And so I think it's sad when this dynamic of competition or jealousy or envy interferes with our ability to do that or to receive that in friendship or, you know, when we're talking about dynamics amongst women at a broader scale. Now, this brings me into the next dynamic that I want to explore, which is women and success. Now, my sense is, from my standpoint, the way that we feel, talk about, and treat women who have experienced success in some way is different from the way we treat men who have experienced that same success. And there are countless examples to observe here, especially in the media, of tendencies like diminishing or devaluing or criticizing or even tearing down a woman's success. And don't get me wrong, I can appreciate that this seems to have come a long way, but I still think that it is easy to observe this still playing out. I mean, even talking about this theme of canceling, when I look at some of the men specifically in Hollywood, for example, who still have a thriving career despite their former actions. I don't really see that same treatment or grace and forgiveness being extended towards women who are the subject of public scrutiny. And again, this isn't intended to imply that every time a woman is cancelled, there wasn't something that was said or done that justified holding that person accountable, and it isn't intended to excuse people's behaviors or actions. But it's interesting, like I said, to observe the way we treat women versus men in those circumstances and how specifically in the case of women, from my perspective, the scrutiny seems unavoidable, the reactions seem blown out of proportion, And there doesn't seem to be any room for conversation or growth or redemption. Which, if we have this fear looming over our head constantly that if we experience success on any level, it will be taken from us because of how we're seeing other women's success being taken from them, How are we expected to confidently move throughout the world and move towards success with that looming fear constantly hanging above our heads? And then, as with other conversations, this one, I think it's also important to ask myself, 
is there an internalized manifestation of these dynamics towards successful women? Do I feel threatened on any level by the success of another woman? Do I feel triggered on any level when I feel or when I learn, I should say, of another woman's success? And more importantly, why is that? So let's get into that a little further. When I shared the prompt on Instagram of why are we happy to see women fail, a lot of the responses identified something to the effect of insecurity, jealousy, projection. Now, here are some examples of the submissions that came through that spoke to this. Jealousy that we can't make it or have it all. Jealousy of those who break the mold. People like seeing others down to quiet their internal fear that they are failing. And watching someone fail makes us feel better about our own failures and fear of failure. What I wonder is, can this be taken a level deeper? Why does seeing other women fail make us feel better about our own failures? And what systems are in place to reinforce women's insecurities and reinforce that feeling of jealousy? What is happening at a subconscious level that keeps us in this cycle of criticizing and competing with one another? And as many of you pointed out, the first thing that comes to mind to answer this is internalized misogyny. So essentially, thoughts and behaviors rooted in misogyny being perpetuated even amongst members of the oppressed group, in this case women. So as many of you pointed out, this is in some ways a natural consequence of being raised in patriarchal society. And that's why I said in the beginning that it requires conscious effort to deconstruct these subconscious narratives or these ways of thinking. And the power dynamics remain in place the more we give our energy towards those types of narratives, the more we compete with each other and perpetuate harmful views towards other women. So there was an article that I was reading as I was prepping for this episode that spoke to this really well, so I'm going to share it. It says, in order for inequitable power structures to hold, it is necessary for disadvantaged groups to remain internally divided. If oppressed groups were able to achieve sufficient solidarity, they might pose a threat to the groups in power. Thus, internalized sexism divides women. Rather than pooling their efforts to act against the true source of inequity, sexism perpetuated by men and backed by societal power, internalized sexism leads women to act against one another in competition. And I will leave the link for that in the show notes, but again, a lot of the responses spoke to this in different ways. Someone said, patriarchy doesn't have to work so hard if we're tearing each other down instead. Another one, patriarchal behavior leads women to join in on the every person for themselves mentality. Another one says, in a world designed by men, women who achieve are dangerous. Seeing women fail reaffirms our patriarchal structure. We feel this way due to patriarchal beliefs we've all been conditioned with for generations. 
and patriarchal underpinnings of competitiveness when there was only room for one at the table. Or sorry, it says only room for one woman at the table. This last submission brings me to another theme that was brought forth in many of the submissions, which is this idea of lack mentality. So going back to competition in friendship and amongst women, Competing for a resource we perceive to be finite and associating someone else's attainment of that resource with there being less to go around for ourselves. So in other words, someone else's success being a direct threat to our own ability to succeed, even in circumstances where it actually has nothing to do with us. It's like this feedback loop that we haven't interrupted associating somebody else who maybe we don't even know and their success with our lack of success, for example. And naturally, with this perceived threat in mind, we want to put our own self-interests and self-preservations first to keep ourselves safe. And that's understandable. But is this lack that we perceive real? And I kind of, again, mentioned this in or I guess when I spoke about competition and friendships, but I think that this lack mentality can be observed in many ways, but especially, number one, in the competition for male attention and admiration. So the fear that someone else's beauty or attractiveness or overall desirability hinders our own ability to gain male attention or partnership. And number two... As we spoke about in behaviors around women's career success, because many workplaces and industries weren't designed initially to include women, it's almost as if there's this mentality that remains that we're lucky to even be here. And because of that, a woman who is successful or desires success becomes our competition because we're competing for a finite resource that we only recently were given access to. So here are some of your responses which spoke to this dynamic and this idea of lack mentality as being sort of at the foundation of how we compete with one another and that dynamic playing out. So someone said, we are made to feel that only a limited number of women can be the best, and so we need to compete for that spot. And then another one says... Women are taught to pit ourselves against each other for superiority. So another thing that someone shared about this tendency is something called the tall poppy syndrome, which I hadn't heard of before. So I looked it up and here's a little excerpt. It says, tall poppy syndrome occurs when people are attacked, resented, disliked, criticized, or cut down because of their achievements and or success. The tallest poppy, a study led by Dr. Rumit Bilan, reveals the consequences of this silent systemic syndrome and the impact it has specifically on women in the workplace worldwide. So this is speaking specifically to the workplace, but again, I think the same logic can be applied to different areas in which women are made to feel attacked, resented, disliked, criticized, or cut down because of their achievements or made to compete with one another. And also in that study, there is an infographic that says 
you know, speaks to how this manifests. So in other words, how are women being cut down? What does that actually look like? And this is in the context of the workplace, but again, I think it applies to many different areas. So downplaying achievement, being left out or ignored, being undermined, dismissal of achievement or others taking credit. What stands out to me as kind of summarizing this whole reflection that I've shared in this episode is from the article that I shared that says, you know, rather than pooling efforts against the true sources of inequity, internalized misogyny leads women to act against one another in competition. Now, as we kind of briefly discussed, I think that this tendency comes on some level naturally. It seems that we're conditioned and socialized, and it doesn't seem to be a coincidence that so many people observe this and feel this way, but that is why I think it's important to talk about it and to not feel defensive about our own actions or thoughts or behaviors that are rooted in this competition because that's really where it starts in my opinion is what can I observe within myself that perpetuates this dynamic and is that something that I want to number one continue to perpetuate within myself and my community and number two you know pass down to the next generation that's something that I've been thinking about a lot we haven't found out the sex of our baby but I mean either way I don't want my child to be on the receiving end of this to perpetuate this dynamic and that's important to me to look within myself at the very least and consider what I could be responsible for and what type of message I want to send in what I put out there. And yeah, that's what this conversation is about. I certainly don't suggest or imply that I have all the answers or the solutions, but I want to start to explore that here with you all. And so far, this has already been a really good conversation, even just what's been sparked through sharing that prompt on Instagram. And so I'm excited to hear your thoughts about this episode and then going into the next episode to explore some solutions, both on an internal and broader external level. And this isn't to blame anyone, especially If you're resonating with any of these feelings and you've noticed that you've internalized some of these feelings, it's not to blame you for that, having that feeling, but we can still be part of the solution and we can still shift that. And I also think like, as we'll discuss in the next episode, there's a fear seemingly in being willing to say, you know, I've observed that within myself and I've perpetuated that at some point in my life and what would it be like to at the very least change that pattern within myself but what about saying sorry and having a conversation with maybe someone that I excluded or 
you know, felt like I was in competition with or maybe I wasn't able to celebrate their success in the way that I wanted to and to heal those connections and to be able to experience the love and connection and unity and community that is available when we come together, not just as women, but in general. So that's what we'll be exploring a bit deeper in next week's episode. I know this is like a lot. I feel like it's a lot for me to dive into and I hope that I've to some extent done this topic justice. I know it's a big topic and I could talk about it forever and ever, but sort of how I've thought about this podcast is like, what can I do from my own personal experience and you know, looking at the audience that I have and thinking about the things that would impact them and how can we come together in that way. So that's what this is about. Thank you for your open-mindedness and for your input and your contributions because I think that's really important. Stay tuned for part two. I'm really excited to get into that and yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you in next week's episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.